Hey everyone, this is your host, Kevin the Bastard, and happy Turkey Day week. This week we're doing something a little bit different, so we can take the week off and you still get content. We are going to be playing an episode of our Patreon series, Supernatural Sources. This is me and Mr. David Davis. We're talking about Whitley Strieber, communion, upcoming episodes, and various other subjects. And if you would like to hear more, you can find a link to our Patreon at supernatpod.rocks or head on over to patreon.com slash supernatural selection and we put out a couple episodes a month more when we can so that being said i hope you enjoy this i'm gonna stick the theme music on and we will see you next week for brand new material Welcome to Supernatural Sources, your bonus material for patrons of Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard, and with me this time is Mr. David Davis. David, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing well. It is a Sunday. I don't have a whole lot going on except talking to you, so things are pretty good. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm real glad to be doing this, and uh, I don't really have a lot of plans today except uh, play video games. There you um, go. So this week we're going to be talking, as usual, about our sources and, like, upcoming episodes. And one of the things I wanted to bring up, David, is you know how uh, on the most recent episode we talked about going back and doing a deep dive on Albert K. Bender? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess what I found on eBay? Um, I'm going to assume it has something to do with Albert K. Bender. Oh, yes. I found a ni- vintage 1968 edition of Flying Saucers and the Three Men by Albert K. Bender. Oh, shit. It is on the way, man. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I am so freaking excited. I saw it. I was like, this is this is synchronicity. This is, mm-hmm. this is like the shit the new Kirks talk about. Oh, yeah. So, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so... We're uh, we're planning to do an episode on Whitley Strieber, or a couple of episodes. I kind of feel like we need to do a episode leading up to communion, yeah. and then a post-communion Pre, pre and post-communion. Yeah, I think that will be a fun way to do it. And one of the things that I decided to do, which I finished reading the book, mm-hmm. it is amazing. It is so, I mean, like... We're so lucky an author got abducted by visitors because the only way it could have been better is if Stephen King had been abducted. I, I do want to – I'm hoping to start reading it today, actually. I got my uh, e-reader. Yeah. I'm actually planning on buying a new re- e-reader next year because my, my like, 15-year-old e-reader now is like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the book is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to stress that. Um, it is a thought-provoking, well-written piece by a man whose life was nearly destroyed by a brush with the unknown and his attempts to uh, to deal with that. Well, and you know that's a current uh, that's a recurring theme that we have in our um, 
our stories, especially when we deal with like survival encounters with uh, the supernatural, is like some people get really fucked up by this stuff. Oh, they definitely and, do. And it you, seems um, like Whitley Strieber is one of those who, like, he really, something happened, and it really fucked him up. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, like, his entire thing is he started out this entire experience as a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Did not believe in UFOs, aliens, uh, any of that stuff. He had, like, a passing familiarity with uh, Betty and Barney Hill. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's it. He didn't really have any... Uh, interest or anything yeah he was a horror author he wrote like the wolfen and uh the hunger and stuff like that and those got turned into movies which you know good for him yeah but he was not an enthusiast and then this happened and like there's one part in the book where he talks about he's sitting there staring at the window in his like 20 something floor apartment in new york and he's thinking i should jump yeah I'm like, that's, that says everything right there that you need to know. Yeah, like, especially because uh, we're going to get into the movie, but, like, the movie is, like, really uncomfortable at times because of, like, mm-hmm. how you see this family falling apart. Oh, yeah, and they, they definitely did a good job of uh, that mm-hmm. in the movie, which uh, the movie, I believe my description was, uh, okay, all that stuff I said about the book, but what if cocaine? Because <laughs> it is... Wow. Yeah, and it is a pretty accurate uh, depiction of the film. Yeah, and I I wanted to know what Streber's opinion was on the film mm-hmm. before we really get into it. So I looked it up, and he is not a fan of the film Communion. Mm-hmm. Now, he wrote the script, mm-hmm. but it is a heavily improvised film. Yeah, uh, apparently Christopher Walken, like, kind of got away with doing a lot oh 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 yes he he certainly did oh yes oh the aliens oh Mm -hmm. what are you doing to my butt (laughs) yeah it's oh god Uh, did you uh did you check the imdb uh imdb page for the uh trivia oh no i didn't okay enlighten me I'm, i'm gonna read a quote here Okay, while serving okay. as executive producer, author Whitley Strieber, whose experiences serve as the basis of the film, expressed concerns about Christopher Walken's abilities in portraying him. Um, mm-hmm. um, when Strieber finally told Walken that he might be portraying him as a little too crazy, Walken replied, if the shoe fits. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, there, there's some um, stuff going on in this movie. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, 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 we were talking about improvising, right? Okay, this, this yes. is a great one. The scene in which Whitley Strieber, played by Christopher Walken, holds up the alien's face mask over his face was improvised by Walken and was two minutes long, but only appears in the film for a few seconds. So it's just two yeah. minutes of him just fucking around with his mask. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it. <laughs> and this is, And the thing is, in this movie, this is him full-on more cowbell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like walking unleashed. Yes. <laughs> He's certainly walking around with this role. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sorry for that joke, but... um, General impression of the movie. What, what did you think? Okay, so... It's a weird movie, and I, I don't mean that as, like, a criticism mm-hmm. of it, but there are just some yeah. movies where it's like, you know, you, you see it, you realize that it's a unique thing that you wouldn't see 
outside of this time period it was made. Right. And it's right. not a judgment of whether or not it's good. Like, I don't think it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think it's a weird movie, but it has some stuff that really sticks with me. Definitely. It's, it's certainly from the director of uh, The Howling 2 and 3. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was looking, actually, because I, I love like looking up the stuff. So, uh, director mm-hmm. is Philippe Mora. Um, yes. and his, uh, IMDB page is absolutely fascinating. He's got like, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven projects in production right now. I saw that. I was like, wow, you yeah. are a busy motherfucker these days. And, and he, he seems to be doing a lot of like, uh, documentaries, but a lot of like weird little small films. Like I, I see this all the time mm-hmm. when I'm doing researching, uh, when I'm doing research on like Star Trek actors, like they show up right. in a lot of like fan films and that shit's listed on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the kind yeah. of stuff that he seems to be doing right now. Right. Um yeah, he's got one movie uh Custer at Nuremberg. Yes. Um The Hunchback Bee of Notre Dame. I uh, yeah. I was a communist werewolf which just sound which just sounds like a description of me. Yeah, okay, that's fair. It also sounds like a Roger Corman film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like a Roger Corman film if like Roger Corman wasn't involved, but someone was trying to get his attention. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you know, and the thing is, uh, like the, this director was already friends with um, Whitley Strieber. Oh wow! Yeah, because uh, okay. yeah, because Streeper was talking to him about like his experiences that are documented in Communion, and uh, Mora is like, "Well, if you write it down, let me read it." Yeah. So, well, funny thing, his uh, friend Jacques that stays with him at the cabin at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. um, that is actually the guy that played Jakar on Babylon Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Andreas uh, Katsulas. Um, yes, never can say his now name. See, I know him. Actor. I know him as the one-armed man in The Fugitive. That's right. He was. Yeah. He was also he played a Romulan several times on uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. More than likely, in the next couple of months, I'm going to have to write an article about him because for some yes. reason, I end up doing all these profiles about people who are on like <laughs> one episode of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He was, yeah. and he was actually in the last episode of Next Generation, so that's that's a fun one. They had oh. him back because he is such a good friend. Okay, yeah, I can see he's one of these weird guys because he was in like three episodes of uh, Max Headroom. So, oh, yeah, that's he, awesome. He, he, he's got a vibe to him. Oh, yeah, and he was in Alien Nation. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, the movie. Yeah, no, no, the uh, series. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. I love the series. By oh, the way. yeah. No, I, uh, Alien Nation's completely underrated. But, um, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, great, great series that people need to go back and pay more attention to. Oh, fuck. He was in Millennium, too. Oh, wow. We're talking about the series. Yeah, Lens uh, Henriksen. The X-Files. Yeah. Yes. Like, okay. like it, it was a, a gothy X-Files. Oh, yeah. Gothy yeah. X-Files. So, <laughs> here's the thing about the film. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the film is, I want to say, quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... It, it feels like a good family sort of like drama, like a, uh, mm-hmm. like like it, it feels higher quality at the beginning because we don't get into like some of the, the cheesy supernatural effects they're trying to go for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's before they get into the uh, dollar store bendy figure on strings floating mm-hmm. around the room with mm-hmm. the naked Christopher Walken dancing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and it's, I don't know, it does a good job of building tension and some level of fear, like that scene where he's sitting in the chair and just the gray face comes around the corner from yeah. behind the, uh, behind the, uh, the, the wardrobe. Well, oh, that terrified me. Well, and also, like, the film, one of the things, so again, like, I have complex feelings about this film because there's stuff in yeah. here that I see, it's like, oh, that's, that's really good. So, like, for example, when, um... There, there's little things in the set dressing that are meant to put you off. Like when he goes to the uh, the office of uh, Dr. Janet Duffy, um, mm-hmm. there's all these like f- busts and figures that evoke what he saw. Yes. Which I don't, part of me is like, I don't know if that's like the director potentially making a commentary that like, well, maybe, you know, he was influenced by what he saw or whatever. But yeah, there's all these little elements that just kind of yeah. make you uneasy. And, you know, it also helps with like the weird nature of the 1980s as we see in this mm-hmm. film. See, I kind of felt like the uh, the hints at the the visitors in the in that stuff was more of a uh, less of him being influenced and more of uh, implying that other people are seeing it but don't know yeah see like it's i think the fact that we can read it as both yes it is a credit to what the film does i think yeah. if they were to remake this film now i think you could get a lot out of it oh my god yeah yeah um, i think yeah like I, I think that the thing that drags the film down is uh honestly you know as, as much as going to pay me to say it, i think christopher walken drags the film down I really agree. I think he was horribly miscast in this movie. Yeah, like the whole scene with him laughing at the aliens, which like that's a great oh. clip. It's hilarious and it's like weird it's, and it's unnerving. But also, it's him literally laughing uh, when he sees the aliens, and the director's like, "Fuck it, throw it in." And like, I, yeah. I, I can understand why you would do that, but also, sure. it's not really giving that sort of thing the the gravitas that it needed i agree it's there's there's a certain level once it hits a point it just becomes camp mm-hmm. and i just don't like that it i feel like this could have been a such a better film yeah and you know, it really is christopher walken that, that kills it you know what would have made this film better and this What's is going to sound ridiculous coming from me is you cut out all of the scenes and depictions of the aliens and just literally yeah. have him doing the regressive therapy and talking about what he's experiencing. Oh, I totally agree. I feel you like could, actually yeah. seeing the aliens was a detriment. Yeah, if you if you just have him, you know, eyes closed, devo- uh, like, you know, just relaying what he saw. It, yeah. Like, you can still have the situation with the lights and everything showing up. Uh-huh. But him just kind of, like, having and, to, like, sell the trauma. Right. And, yeah. you know, like, the stuff we saw at the beginning, like, the the hand holding the wand up to his head, that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, seeing the things, like, even the clockwork thing coming at him in the bedroom. Like, that 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 stuff works. Holy it's just shit. when you get to the yeah. literal fucking uh, visitor's ship and you see the visitors right. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the bendy figures and the troll men. Yeah, and then like you know for the for the probe scene, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more. Um, like the probe scene, instead of showing it, 
like mm-hmm. have his like visceral raw reaction oh screaming as he remembers it as he's being talked to by the doctor I completely agree because there's something silly about watching a blue troll guy shove a studio mic up Christopher well, and, Walken's And it's ass. also the way in which, like, it's done because, like, do they have him, like, perched at the end of the table, like, uncomfortably? Yeah. Like, why didn't they, I, like, flip him over and... Why not a gynecologist chair with stirrups? Exactly. It, it, again, like... Ah, it's, it, it it's, was it's real weird. Film. It's really... I don't know that I recommend watching it, but if you're if you're down to have your brain fucked, <laughs> um, yeah, yes. and uh, like there there's some stuff in there that I like. Um, I remember mm-hmm. I was talking to you yesterday, I think, and I had mentioned something about the um, what was it, the Chinese box, right? And right. I, I, was... I don't have the quote. Right, hang on, I can I can find that. Yeah, it's when he's talking to, like, the swarthy version of himself. Right, the magician version with his wife. Um, and the magician. Yeah, and... <laughs> oh, God. Again, with the Futurama. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, okay. and it, it's weird. It's one of those where I kind of wish I owned it just so I could, like, do, like, an alien month where it's just weird alien survival shit. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, while you're doing that, I'm going to kind of look at um some more of the trivia just for fun. Let's yes. see. It's a puzzle box, and you're not going to get the what's inside. Let's just get that clear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm, yeah, and I, I think that's super fascinating, and I don't know if that explanation is in the book. Um. There, no, no, there's... Which is, it's weird because that's a very insightful statement, especially because we, we've talked about, like, how these things, you know, they they present themselves as being impossible to, to understand. If we're talking about these being extra-dimensional yeah. entities. Um, so I just, I found that, like, really, really interesting and explains a lot about right. encounters in general. Mm-hmm. And it's weird it's coming from, like, the weirdest fucking scene in the film. It is. And I can't find the quote, but it's full of really interesting dialogue. I'll say that for sure when it's not scripted. I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes, but you don't smoke. (laughs) (laughs) That that was such a weird bit. (laughs) It was. That's obviously improv. And the fact that he got, like, dressed up for it, too, which is another interesting character choice. Yeah, okay, yeah, black shirt, black tie, black coat, black pants, black shoes, black fedora, and a video camera. Mm-hmm. And he finds the glowing orb in the woods. I'm like, none of that is in the book. I really oh. need to stress that. Oh, okay, um, wait, I found a deleted scene here. Oh. Okay, there was a deleted scene in which Streber dreams that he is becoming his wife, and Walken appears briefly in drag with bizarre flashes of a crying child abductees, the jack-o'-lantern, and the doors uh, the doors and windows opening, flooding the dark rooms with light. So we missed out on a chance to see Christopher Walken in drag. Wow. Right? You know, I was thinking, you said remaking the movie, and you know who I think would make a pretty good Whitley Streber in a remake? Hmm. I'm just going to chuck James Spader out there. 
I think James Spader, yes. Another one who I think would, especially if you go with the approach that I had where it's like literally you don't show the aliens, uh-huh. you just show them reacting. Paul Dano. Paul Dano? Yeah, Paul Dano would be amazing as a Whitley Strieber. Um, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Think, think about him like eyes shut in the, in the psychologist office, just like relaying, you know, like the the tr- the trauma of well, I'm gonna basically call it a rape scene. Like, yes, yeah, the trauma of the rape. Paul Dano just like giving mm-hmm. it his all, talking no, can, about that. Like, oh I my god, I got chills thinking about that. See that? Yes. And uh, speaking of, let's uh, let's talk for just a second about. There's also a documentary that mm-hmm. you mentioned called Visitors. I need to finish watching that myself. Like I, I started it. I did not finish it mm-hmm. because it got too real for me. You know, I think that's what kicked off our whole discussion about all of this because, like, I had started watching it, and, yeah, it got mm-hmm. really real, so I stopped, and I mentioned, hey, we're going to have to talk about Whitley Strieber, and then, like, you know, the past, like, month, we've been, like, doing little bits about him. Oh, right. Thinking yeah. about it. And I also, I said this on Twitter, I owe Whitley Strieber, like, the biggest apology for every joke I've done uh, over the last... 30 years mm-hmm. because like that motherfucker went through some shit man mm-hmm. um I, I don't care if you believe or not something happened to him yeah and uh but like i there's some stuff he was talking about in the documentary that uh you remember I told you about that dream I had where I woke up and there was a loud buzz in the house and I ran and my mom was missing mm-hmm. and I jumped in bed and covered up my head and then when I pulled it down, there was a gray in my face? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, recall he that. Talk- yeah, he talks about that happening to him, mm-hmm. uh, his son and wife being missing. Honestly, man, I think you were probably abducted at some point. I, you know what? Here's the thing. I didn't think that until I watched that documentary and then did some reading. And you know my whole coda, I disrupt electrical stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out that is a side effect of abduction. Oh, wow. So, uh, I, and I haven't talked to Mike about this. I'm probably not going to talk to Mike about this because I will never live it down. But uh, I talked to Dusty about this, and she was very like, oh, no. Hmm. Not like a, oh, no, this relationship's over, but like a, oh, no, you may have been affected. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, this, this is fascinating, and I don't know if we'll ever get to this on, like, the our, our big show, but, like, mm-hmm. this might be something to explore later, yeah. for sure. I, yeah, no, yeah. like, all, all the signs are there that, like, you probably had an encounter, you know, with the exception of the Christmas tree in the sky, <sighs> but otherwise. God damn it, motherfucker. <laughs> um, it wasn't a Christmas tree. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm on the one hand, I'm kind of glad that that hasn't happened to me. But on the other hand, I'm like, I would, I would be interested to experience it as well. So you have this yeah. very interesting story yeah. that you could look into. Well, you know, for years, like reading about this stuff, I've been like, oh man, wouldn't it be awesome to be abducted? And then, like, on another level, I'm like, now that I think it might have happened to me, I'm like, yeah. Fuck this. Did, did I get a Blue I'm, Yeti microphone shoved up my butt? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, and uh, speaking of the microphone, when they pull the the butt probe out in mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, it was really weird when says, the alien licked it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> 
step away, pulled it out, and walking goes, can we talk this over? You look like you're about to sing White Christmas. I'm like, what? Right, right. I, again, the problem with the movie is Christopher Walken. Yes, he is... Uh, he it, is riffing on the movie in the film. And it absolutely pains me to say that because I love Christopher Walken. Just oh, yeah. His vibe. Like, I, I love yeah. his vibe, but like he is not the right I, actor for this movie. No, definitely not. He's he's a fantastic actor, but not for this. I'll tell you who was really good in the movie was. Um, uh, 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 I just I forgot her name. It was. Um, Lindsay Krause as Anne. Oh yes, like, yes. Again, like one of the things that makes she me was so great. Yeah, one of the things that makes me so uncomfortable about the film is how raw it is regarding the destruction of the family when she's oh like God. insulting yes. him and like questioning him and that sort of thing. It's like, oh man, this which, this is now. Which, now you read the book. Now, how mm -hmm. how accurate was Anne in this compared to the Anne of the book? Because I, from what I gathered, she was more supportive. Oh, she is definitely more supportive. In fact, she is the one who was like, "We need to explore this. We need to figure out what happened." Uh, and then when he went through the stuff, and he talks about this in the documentary, he went to her and he was like, "We need to have a talk." Mm -hmm. And she she's terrified that he's gonna. Like, we have to get a divorce. And he says, I think I may have been abducted by aliens. And she's like, oh, thank God I don't have to raise the kid alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she And she started, like, all of the stuff he's known for today. She founded his podcast, uh, Dreamland, on unknowncountry.com, which I've listened to some of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mr. Streber's gone very, for lack of a better term, woo-woo in recent years. But okay. uh, considering the loss of his wife... Uh, mm. A few years ago, uh, after Ian passed, mm. I can't blame him. Yeah. Well, I and, mean, uh, like, if, so, if I lost Dusty, I'd go woo-woo as fuck. So so I guess my question is, um, what do you think? Do you think that they, they made Ann so antagonistic just for the drama in the film? Like, because I, again, like Whitley Strieber adapted his book to the screenplay, correct? Mm hmm Yes. So, like, why did he do that? Did he realize it needed some sort of dramatic... I think that's part of it. I think it needed some dramatic stuff. Uh, because... Also... Uh, but then again, I'm thinking about that, and it's like, like, are there some unresolved feelings that, like, maybe we didn't get from the novel or the, the, from the book like, Communion? I feel like um, it came out, like, two years after the incident. Mm-hmm. Or three years after the incident. So that's a pretty quick turnaround for a book and a movie. Yeah, and no, I, I was just like, thinking about that. That's like, I, you know, I feel the, like, like Harry Potter, the rights come out. It's mm, like, fuck, we're making this movie. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're still working on the book right now, but the movie is uh, also in the pipe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, yes, there was some stuff unresolved from what I understand from other uh, later books. Streber was going up to the cabin and drinking heavily mm. uh, during this period. So, like, there was still some very unresolved issues uh, with him and the family going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it subconsciously went in there, and, like, there may be a part of him that was like, I kind of wish she had been more angry about this. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't have had to look into it more. Well, and, you know, and also, like, this is a huge, like... There, there are a few moments in your life that, like, define your life as much as something like this does. 
Um, so right. like, there's got to be this like unresolved or you know tension regarding that. And I feel like maybe he, yeah, I think you're right that like maybe he wished she pushed back against a little bit because like his mm-hmm. life never went back to the way it was after this. Yeah, his his phrasing in the doc was fantastic where he said uh the whitley streber that opened the door to that cabin that day never came back i I, I, he has not been back i am not that same person yeah and that person will never be back yeah which is a fairly chilling statement yeah no like it's a very writerly statement i mean that like the best way possible like oh I, I, i am eager to dive into this book because like number one like you you've read a bunch of like books for the show and they've been uh-huh. pretty bad i've i've oh, heard for sure as well but apparently this one's yeah. like really good oh god it is like it's a joy to to read that book as compared to every other thing i've read mm. uh with the possible exception of a few nick red uh nick redfern books which are fun little collections mm-hmm. but this is much more uh emotional yeah it's much less fact-finding. It is very... And it deals with his childhood, his relationship with his father, um, which they definitely do not get into in, in the film. Mm. What we should do is also look into the communion letters. Um, that is a book I need to get uh, ASAP, because that, that looks like it's going to be a really interesting read. Yeah, you could do an entire thing just on the, the mm-hmm. communion letters. Yeah, I, I have a feeling we're going to probably end up doing three or four Whitley Strieber and communion-related episodes spaced out because there's just so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like, I definitely like a pre and post. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think communion letters would definitely be something to explore. Yeah. And in that documentary, uh, I've never heard the audio from his hypnosis sessions before. Mm. And uh, that is chilling. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to... Uh, I think I only got a little bit in the documentary and I just like I was like, hey, no, Kevin, we need to look at this. And then I yeah. didn't go back to it. I think because well, I, got... I was watching too much Ghost Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> but right. They had that 24-hour live streaming channel. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> I, well, it happens. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, like, I got a good chunk of the way through it, and before I was just, like, highly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, w- I was starting to have anxiety thinking about things from my past, but hearing the tapes, that is a man in absolute terror screaming. And that's why I think redoing this, but focusing on just the audio terror of him talking. Right is the way to go for a thing like this. Don't show yes. us the, the don't show us the entities. Don't show us the visitors. Maybe maybe hints, but don't don't do what the film did. Yeah. Cuz that got goofy as fuck. Mhm. Like and here's the thing. I I I now after reading the book, I realize, you know, the little uh the little goblin dudes. There's one with like a real wide mouth. Oh yeah, I, one... I called him Station. Yes. Yes, <laughs> you called him Station, which is fantastic. Station. <laughs> But the other one that really stands out is the one with a big, long, two-puckered mouth. Right. And apparently that's supposed to be one entity. Like, when he's awake, he has his plastered fake smile like a nurse. Mm. 
And then when he's asleep, which how Whitley's son knows this, I have no idea. He said his mouth just goes into a puckered O. Well, and he's relaxed. Don't we get the impression that like Whitley's son was also? Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, speaking of like funky aliens, like um, this, this gives us more funky aliens than a modern Star Wars project, which I love. For yes. example, but um, the scene on the bus is one of my favorite scenes because it reminds me a little bit of like Naked Lunch. It's got the surrealist, like yes, angle to it, like all the insect heads and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, it's the mantises. Just, that that Mantis is such a cucks. good scene. That is yeah. <laughs> exactly no that that is such a good scene. Him, you know, uh, tell me, does this go to the end of the line? And then he like you know the the bus is full of the insectoids, and it's just like ooh, yes, ooh, this is good. And yeah. then and then. They and then had, he dances. And they had to ruin it. Then he dances. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, that's also like the scene at the uh, Halloween party mm-hmm. where someone's wearing a mantis outfit and he just, like, freaks the fuck out. Yeah, like, that was also really good. I thought the party yes. scene was excellent. I think uh, uh, Anne's reaction to it uh, created mm-hmm. a lot of tension. Again, like, there's, there's so many elements of this film that, like, work that... It's it's a shame that like the the elements that didn't work really dragged I it down. I completely agree. Um, and it also just really, um, God, it is so eighties. Yes, yes. Um, I I could smell the uh, cigarettes on the plastic furniture. Oh yeah, no. And that clock in the cabin with the mm-hmm. big paper hands. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know where they got that or if they made it, but I kind of want it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, it's got like giant arrows for hands made of like cut out paper or cardboard or something. I'm like, that's. That's a wild fucking clock, dude. That is like the one thing I really remembered prior to this rewatch was that clock. Yeah, it's a striking clock. And, you know, and there's all sorts, again, like the set design does a lot of storytelling. Uh, His little writing nook, for example, tells you a lot about the character. But um, like there's there's one detail I saw here that um, Whitley has a picture of the Great Wave of Kanagawa. Have you ever seen that one before? Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, um, so he has a picture of the Great Wave of Kanagawa, but there's a little added cartoon character facing the tsunami with an exclamation mark above his head. <laughs> um, you know, and it's just it, that that's yeah. like a little detail that you don't really pick up, but then like if you right. watch it, it's like oh, huh. Well, from everything I get, Whitley Strieber has a really good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's gotten a lot looser about it. Like, in one of the most recent episodes of Dreamland I'm listening to, uh, they're talking about the visitors, and uh, one of the guys is saying, we don't know what they're doing. I mean, no one's ever met an alien scientist before, and there's a moment of silence, and Whitley just goes, I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the dude goes, Shit, I forgot about that. Oh, apparently he made a cameo in the remake of Disney's uh, Race to Witch Mountain. You know, it wasn't it him and Anne? Um, I don't see Anne. I okay. see William J. Burns of UFO okay. Hunters was in there. But yeah, no, um, Whitley Strieber apparently made an appearance in uh, wow. Escape to Witch Mountain. You know, an- another rock vehicle. Yes. Which, uh, if you haven't seen um, Black Adam, it's fine. Yeah, I, it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm not interested. Like, 
Yeah. I, like, it's, maybe I'll start getting into the DC stuff once James Gunn is fully, like, taking over, because, like, all of his well, stuff is, has been good. In, yeah, in the well, DC this is kind of close to it, and it actually ties into some of his stuff. Mm. It's got, like, Waller and uh, the blonde lady from uh, Peacemaker and all that, but uh, it's definitely, it's fine. It's take your brain off the hook entertainment. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably more see it for the JSA elements than Black Adam himself because like oh. I don't like like I to, to introduce Fate's Black great. Adam without the context of you know um I'm I'm not going to call him Shazam I'm going to call him Captain Marvel. Well, they're the wizards are in it. Yeah, but like again it's like why would you do and it sounds to me like the rock does not want to do a movie where it's Black Adam versus Captain Marvel. Like he does I not want to do feeling. that. I get that. I I under yeah I, is, I get that feeling. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate yeah. it. I hate it. I hate it. I under I understand, but sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. We get we got on a tangent there. And well, it's that, fine. That's why we do these episodes. Yes, exactly. But that movie is uh, about half brilliant, half insane. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good assessment. Like again, and, like I really enjoyed it, um, mm-hmm. but also like it's not great. <laughs> No, the parts that work really work, and the parts that don't really don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it comes out swinging for the fences, and it needs to work on its backhand. <laughs> for lack of a better term, no, I get it, man. I get it. Yeah, because I mean, like everybody, I've shown that clip of him having the greeting ritual with the uh, the goblin guys. Mm-hmm to everybody I work with and it, they it's all It's an laugh. incredible clip. It is. It's like insane. devoid of any context. It is like one of the most hilarious things you will ever watch. Oh yeah, no. I love that part where you just am I awake? Is that what you're trying to say that I'm awake? And then it just shows a rubber figure surrounded with smoke with noises. Mm-hmm. And then they start doing the rumba. Yes. <laughs> I, and, and that's the thing. And my favorite part of that is the part where Streber just looks at the camera and sort of shrugs, like I don't know what's happening either. <laughs> I'm and I, it's a fantastic clip, but when you put it into the rest of the movie, it definitely tracks it down. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I have trouble trying to figure out if I would recommend this movie or not. Um, for, for the average person, I would say no, unless you're doing like, uh, like I, maybe if you paired it with another film. Yeah. If, or if you're like hate watching a movie. Hmm. Like you see, I, I, what I would do is I would say like, okay, we're going to get like two different forms of survival encounters. You know, we're doing a double feature. We're going right. to start off with fire in the sky. Oh yes. And Best then we're going to do the- communion. Holy shit, if you could get, like, the mood from the abduction scenes in Fire in the Sky mm-hmm. and inject those, that would be fantastic. Yeah, and I, I think if you were to, like, double, if you were to double feature them like that, I think it would be, like, super, it'd be interesting. Because, yeah. again, that's kind of like how the last drive-in works, is, like, they have a, a crowd pleaser up front, and then they have a little bit of a deeper cut in the second half of the evening. Right, no, totally. You, you definitely follow up with Communion. Uh, but I do feel like if you combine like the mood of the abduction scenes from Fire in the Sky with Communion, you would probably have a perfect abduction movie because I find the rest of Fire in the Sky 
boring. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like, it's really hard to make, like, an encounter film. It is. It's it really is. hard to do that. Because you're, you're, I don't know, I don't know, it's, I feel like it's a, a nut that needs to be cracked, though, at some point. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's, like, number one, you have to have the right encounter, but then mm-hmm. you also kind of have to, like, find the right people who will give it, like, again, not playing into it as being, okay, so obviously you have to play it, like, from two angles. Number one, it has to be something that could possibly happen. But it also mm-hmm. needs to be something that, like, you could reasonably point out, like, well, maybe this person is imagining this. Right. And, you know, the other thing that I like about Streber, and kind of in this movie, is in no way does he ever really say these are aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to this like, day, they, they call them visitors. Yeah, he says visitors because, as he says multiple times in all of his books, I have no idea what those are or what actually happened to me. They... they I call them visitors because they visited me. And uh, I feel like that is something that needs to be played into because this could be a spiritual incident. He mm-hmm. like he has what him and Anne had a theory that this could be what happens after we die, not like an afterlife situation, but that like we are a uh, larval stage mm-hmm. and that the visitors are the developed version of humanity afterwards. Like, we come out of our chrysalis into the super spectrum, as it were. Oh, what? So, like, AI from um, uh, Spielberg and um, uh, Kubrick? Kubrick? I guess so. Hmm. I guess. But, like, you know, yeah, we die, we become those things in a higher dimension, and then we come down here to, like, try to usher humanity to make it better. But... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we also could do a uh, big thing about Streber's ecological views because he has a very strong uh, ecological bent. He actually wrote The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, I I just kind of put that one together just recently. Yeah. So definitely something we can talk about in a future episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, But yeah, I am looking forward to, um, and I think this will be one of those where, like, because you and I are starting to co-write stuff now a little more. Yes, Um, and uh, because we're going to work on the uh, return of Off the Rack Assholes. Yeah, I'm I'm working on that this week. Um, Yeah, same here. Uh, just because, like, again, do several I, of those. I, you know, it's one of those things where I have all my sources. I just need to, like, mm-hmm. sit down and put them into notes. Right. But I'm, I'm going to make sure that's taken care of. But I, I want to work with you on this uh, communion episode, so that's why I'm, I'm definitely going to read the um, the book and watch that documentary yes. as well. God, highly recommend the book. Documentary mm-hmm. scared the shit out of me. I might have been abducted. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that really, really uh, gets me about uh, the Men in Black thing that we're doing is I completely forget it. Are you familiar with Brad Steiger? Mm, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Okay, well, Brad Steiger is, you know, he's he's one of those paranormal researcher guys, and he's written tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steiger had a very personal relationship with the Men in Black to the point that they found a, I don't want to use the term lookalike, but a uh, an impersonator to go around and try to ruin his reputation. Yeah, he, he looks like Wolfman things. Jack. Yes. Now, 
imagine the men in black hate you so much they start trying to ruin your reputation by sending a fake you around to UFO conferences you know, it, to it's call almost, everyone stupid. It's almost like everybody doing like the changing their names to Elon Musk right now on Twitter. <laughs> it really is. I it's yeah. It's kind of like that, but paranormal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about that, and uh, then I've got a second one about some guys that were like, yeah, okay, we had done some mescaline, and uh, <laughs> then we saw Men in Black. <laughs> and we did acid the previous day. <laughs> but, you know, it's okay, because we were smoking hash after that to take the edge off. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is totally you know, as legit. As you do, as you do. You know. Absolutely. Not that we're downing anyone for doing any of those things. It's just that, you know, if you do those things and you say you saw the men in black, maybe I'm not going to believe you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, this (laughs) has been fun. That's about 45 minutes of us talking about Whitley Strieber and uh, good little preview for what's coming. Because, man, this is going to be a good series of episodes about him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I figure we both work on documents for this and we kind of present our stuff and, uh, yeah, cause yeah. We'll, we'll have the one document and then we'll each kind of mm-hmm. pour into it and then I'll probably go in and add some like little extra bits here and there. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. And if you get the chance, check out his podcast, Dreamland and, uh, There is a podcast, hang on, let me get the name of it real quick that I discovered, and he's featured on some of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really hard to find old episodes of Coast to Coast AM right now. Yeah. Because they have a classics podcast available, but it's like 15-minute chunks, Mm -hmm. which is garbage. So there is a podcast called the Art Bell Tape Vault, which is entire episodes recorded off the radio oh wow that this guy is uh digitizing and putting out as a podcast i i fucking love that that's fantastic yes and uh okay you know we were just talking about synchronicity Uh uh-huh two days ago paranormal topics brad steiger from 1995 holy shit oh shit yeah because like um uh, about a month ago i had watched a video on brad steiger from a youtube channel that is now dead to me um yes but like um you know uh interesting though yeah like that we're we're hearing more about him now which is weird i mean it's just really interesting oh wow okay october 19th fire in the sky travis walton and mike rogers Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which we are going to do an episode about mm-hmm. uh, the Fire in the Sky incident. Yeah. Uh, there's a really good documentary called Travis Out that mm. I recommend you check out where they uh, talk to him and Mike Rogers. And uh, it's really well done. And they do talk about Philip Class, the fucking asshole that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck that guy. I believe James Garner played him in the movie. Mm hmm. He's the one that was, like, trying to prove they were all lying. And uh, if you've ever heard the clip of him talking to uh, Travis Walton, who was like, you are a lying son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. I hate that guy so fucking much. Hey, he did a great job. Yeah. Yep. Great job of making himself look like an asshole. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, look, everybody, thank you for donating to the Patreon. We hope you enjoy these. We'll be doing more real soon. I'm going to tackle uh, part two of chapter two of Unexplained next time. 
Uh, holy shit, chapter two is huge. It's about unidentified, uh, can't talk, unidentified aerial phenomenon. And uh, it was sort of uh, interesting because it involved like sky jellyfish, like in Nope. Oh, wow. Yeah, I need to, so, I need to watch Nope. I know that it lands on, uh, <gasps> I know that it lands on Peacock in uh, like next week. Yes. So I'm, I'm oh. going to watch it then. It was just one of those things where it's like the timing didn't work out for me to go see it, which... No, I know, totally understand. Yeah. But you need to see it. It's like, because the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I feel like Satan from that Kids in the Hall sketch going, yes, finally, a show for me, a show that speaks directly to me. <laughs> so it was just so fucking good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next time. We'll see you next week uh, for the show, which will be a weekend weird. And Mike is already finding some fun stuff for that. Excellent. Excellent. So, yes. And I'll find some fun stuff, too. So, everybody, we'll see you next time. So, until then, stay safe and stay frosty. Also, watch the Weird Al story. Yes. Yes. Get Roku. Watch... Weird, the Al Yankovic. Story. That is an amazing movie. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> All right, yeah, thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.